0: Every time the music comes on, it's a surprise. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, Pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, joining you as we do every Monday afternoon to take up the task of rejoicing in the Lord's Word, exciting our imagination, equipping the mind, comforting the conscience with the law and the gospel, the law which orders the world and orders our own lives, and the gospel which comes to us as the surprise that Jesus, God in the flesh, is bearing my sins to win for me eternal life and make a place for me in the resurrection. We're going to we're going to talk about that, about the gifts that Jesus has to give to us in this life and in the life to come. In the first in the opening segment and then as we always do, we're going to have a, a guest come on and bring us some curious something or other and uh see what we can talk about. I might have something curious to add back. We're going to have Pastor Flammy, who is the senior pastor of Emanuel Lutheran Church down in Roswell, New Mexico join us in about 20 minutes to talk about who knows what, you've got to stay tuned for that to see what kind of curious thing he's, he's got, although I'm suspicious. This guy likes Pastor Flammy, He likes to dig into the, um, into the Orthodox Church, Lutheran Church Fathers and pull out some stuff, so I'll bet you, I'll bet you he might do that today. But before we get to that, I, I have something that I've been thinking about a little bit, thinking about yesterday today, uh, yesterday with the people of Hope Lutheran Church, and that is the idea, uh, or maybe we should say that the temptation that we all have um, to, to, to to be well, to just say, say plainly to be basically to act like we 're atheists to be to be practical atheists, even though we say we 're Christians, we have a practical atheism that marks our life if you were just to look at the the life of a person who claims to be a Christian and the life of the person who claims to believe in no God at all and you say well what 's the difference uh you can 't see much now i want I want to get at this idea uh through through thinking about uh, Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, we see the story of the feeding of the 4,000. There's 4,000 people in the wilderness with Jesus, and they're hungry. They haven't eaten for three days, and so Jesus turns to the disciples, and he says, hey, what are we going to do? All the people have been with us. Uh, they, if we if we send them home, they're going to faint on the way. They haven't eaten for three days. How, do you, how are you going to feed them? And the disciples say, how can you feed all these men here in the wilderness? In fact, I want to read you the words with the disciples. This is great. The disciples answered him and said, "How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness?" Now, now that would be a good question for the disciples to ask, if two chapters earlier Jesus hadn't fed five thousand people in the wilderness with five loaves of bread. <laughs> I mean, this is just like a couple weeks ago, and as we're reading along, as you're just reading through the gospel, the Mark, you read how Jesus feeds the five thousand. Then it comes, to, you know, it's down the uh, a couple miles down the road and they're in the wilderness later and jesus uh, says hey let's feed all these guys and they say how are you going to do that and we and we look at the disciples and we say what kind of question is that are you guys that dense that you forget that easily what jesus has already done now before we get too mean with the disciples. We have to remember that there is a there is a forgetfulness that fear causes us, and really all of us as Christians are sort of in the midst of, of wrestling with this fear, because we, we see the things that Jesus has done, and faith remembers all these blessings, the promises that the Lord has kept with us, but fear makes us forget. So we, something comes along, here comes a bill that you weren't expecting, here comes a sickness that you weren't expecting, here comes some bad news that you weren't expecting, and we, and we are it shatters us it shakes us up and we forget all the good things that the lord has done there's a there's a, a faith remembers but fear forgets this is the what the psalms are always wrestling with right how long O oh lord will you cast us off forever you're going to keep your promises with us because here we are surrounded by all these enemies and we we're in trouble and we've forgotten all the good things that you've done in fact the lord will chastise the people a lot of times he'll say did you forget did you forget egypt did you forget the Exodus? Did you forget the Red Sea? Did you forget the manna? Did you forget how, did Joshua, how I, how, how I walked with you? Did you? Have you forgotten all the good things I've done for you in the past? Fear forgets, faith remembers. Anyway, the disciples are afraid. How are we going to feed all these people? We don't know. We're hungry. That's what we know. We know we're hungry. And we don't know how to get food. Now that basic idea... That we're hungry and we don't know how to get food. That that is a, is the basic and fundamental idea of materialism, and it's the idea that also haunts us. Because we, even though we are Christians, we've been baptized. And we've been preached to over and over again that Jesus is the one who takes care of us. He's the one who blesses us. He's the one who forgives our sins. He's the one who brings us at last to eternal life. He's the one that wins for us salvation. We're tempted to think that Jesus, his job is to take care of the spiritual things while we, it's up to us to take care of all the physical stuff. This is the temptation I want to talk about. That, that salvation is Jesus and Jesus alone, but, but life in this world is me, sola meus, or whatever, how you say that. It's just me. It's up to me. I've got to do it. If I, to, if I want to sit at the eternal banquet, that's Jesus' job. But if I want to eat dinner tonight, I better do it. <laughs> it's, it's just, I better get after it. If I want to be clothed with eternal righteousness, well, Jesus will take care of that. But if I want to wear clothing today, then that's up to me. Now, it's true. If you're with me so far, it's true that the scriptures do say, Paul, for example, says in 2 Thessalonians, he says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, that the Lord has given us work to do, not only to feed and clothe ourselves, but to feed and clothe our neighbor. We're to be helping people. This is, the, this is vocation, that the Lord uses our work to bless other people. But it is the Lord who blesses. It is the Lord who provides it's the Lord who opens his hands and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The Lord might use us to do it, but it comes from him. And this is what we're tempted to forget. We are tempted to forget that God takes care of both our spiritual life as well as our physical life. Now, that, that dualism it has been labeled and I want the listeners to this show to be very familiar with this term to label this distinction between spiritual things and earthly things and especially the idea that the spiritual things are good and the earthly things are bad because that idea is Gnosticism it's a uh, it's a broad philosophical and religious term that covers a lot of things but the basic idea of Gnosticism Is that the spiritual is good and the earthly is bad. The spiritual is holy and the earthly is unholy. And Gnosticism, it's like a it's like a religious or theological or philosophical parasite. It globs on to everything. There's there's Jewish Gnosticism. That's the Kabbalah. There's there's Islamic Gnosticism. In fact, a lot of Islam is Gnosticism to begin with. But there's a specific Islamic Gnosticism when you have the Whirling Dervishes. Almost all of the Eastern religions are Gnostic, and all the Greek ancient Greek stuff is Gnostic. I mean, remember when Plato? Not not Plato. Remember when Socrates drank the hemlock, to, to, so that he could set himself free? That's Gnosticism. The idea that I'm I'm trapped in the body, and my spirit has to be released to go to the souls. uh, to, to to, To go to the forms. In fact, I was reading a couple of years ago the Gnostic Gospel of Judas. I don't know if you, if you guys have seen that thing. It was floating around a few years back, and they found a fragment of the Book of Judas. And in that book, we know it's a Gnostic gospel just because of the content of the thing. But it's an amazing conversation between Judas and Jesus. In the Gospel of Judas, Jesus tells Judas that he's his favorite, that Judas is Jesus' favorite disciple. And why does he say that? Because Jesus says to Judas there in this Gnostic gospel, you are the one who will set me free. I mean, think about that. It's amazing. Judas, by betraying Jesus, will cause him to be put to death so that the spirit of Jesus can be released from the prison of his body. You are the one who will set me free. That's Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, like the theological, philosophical parasite that it is, it globs onto all of us. We are always, in every way, always tempted to Gnosticism. Our sinful flesh has a lot of... Our, our, we're born with a sinful flesh, and, and we want to recognize that that sinful flesh has a religion or it has a theology that that, that, that just kind of clings to us. It's like when you get your telephone and you and you unbox it from the store and it has an operating system on it this is it just out of the box has a default operating system so your flesh your sinful flesh has a default theological operating system and and part of that operating system is among other things gnosticism you are wired to think that the spiritual things are good and holy and that the physical things are not that the uh... that if it's if it has to do with the stuff of this world it can't have anything to do with, with God or with heaven. I, I think, by the way, that this is the basic idea uh, about why uh, so many Christian churches in the United States reject something like baptism saves or baptism forgives sins because they say baptism, that's outside of me, that water is out on the outside, so it can't give spiritual benefit. There's no reason in the Bible that it can't give spiritual benefit. The Lord gives spiritual benefit through all sorts of external things, starting with the body and the blood of Jesus there on the cross. That's a spiritual benefit from a very physical thing. And the Lord is always using physical things. I mean, he, he lifts up the bronze serpent in the wilderness. He He uses the rod of Aaron to to bless the people. He uses the rod of Moses to cause the water to be parted. He's always using physical stuff. He, I mean, the handkerchief of St. Paul is performing miracles. The, the Lord uses physical things to give spiritual benefit, and the same thing is true with water and with the body and the blood and the bread and the wine. It's a physical thing to give a spiritual benefit. But Gnosticism looks at that and says, no, 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 no. We, we, we think that spiritual things have to be spiritual in the realm of my own heart. They all have to happen on the inside, and if it's outside, it can't bless. Now, that creeps into our minds and into our thinking. It creeped into the disciples' thinking. I mean, they knew if you were to stop stop the disciples here in Mark chapter 8 when there's 4,000 people to be fed and say, hey, Jesus, these people need some spiritual benefit. Where should they go? They would say, well, you're here. You can bless them. You can teach them. You them You can give them eternal life if you want to. You can save them from sin, death, and from the power of the devil. But for food, we don't know what to do. We don't know where you can go for that. We're not sure how to fix that problem. So Jesus has the people sit down, and he says, look, I want to teach you guys something. Uh, And I want to hammer this thing home. That I, Jesus, am your Savior, but I am also your creator. I, I take care of your life, but I also take care of your life eternal. I clothe you in righteousness, and I clothe you in the clothes that you're wearing right now. I give you shoes of the readiness to spread the gospel of peace, and I also put sandals on your feet. I, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house there's many mansions if it were not so would I've told you I go to prepare a place I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am you will be also so that Jesus is making for us eternal dwellings with God the Father but he's also the one who puts the roof over our head he gives us clothing and shoes food drink house home wife animal lunch uh, animals wife children uh, everything that we have to support this this body and life all of these things are also from Jesus so that we can't have this idea that Jesus is the one who takes care of the spiritual stuff but for the physical stuff it's up to me no Jesus also takes care of this he he also he he fills our heart with every good thing but he fills our mouth with every open your mouth wide the Lord says and I will fill it the eyes of all look to you O Lord and you give them their food at the proper time. This is why, by the way, the most basic act of Christian piety, the most basic fundamental thing that we do to recognize that God is not only our Savior, but also our Creator, is that we pray before we eat. If we were to sit down at a restaurant and you say, here's a plate of food that's sitting down there in front of me. <laughs> and you say, where does this where does food come from? I said, well, it came from the kitchen." So we're grateful for the kitchen and for the, and for the cook and for the, for the people who are, who are blessing and serving us there. That's great. But, but, but where, did it, where did they get it? Well, they got it from the grocery store. So we're grateful for the grocer and we're grateful for the guy that drove it for there. We're grateful for the rancher and for the farmer that brought all the stuff. But it is the Lord who at, was at the end of the whole thing who's providing us with all these things, who's giving us all these things, who's blessing us with all these things, who's telling us that all these things not only belong to us, but that they first belong to him. And they come to us as his gifts. So we fight back against this. This, gnostic, this creeping Gnosticism that is that is kind of lingering around and, and, and assaulting us. We fight back against it. We recognize that it's not just eternal life, but also this life. And, and really when it comes down to it, this is what Jesus teaches us. When he feeds the 5,000, he, te- he feeds the 4,000. And why the Holy Spirit has given us this text, it's to recognize that the hands of that give us the forgiveness of sins by being nailed to the cross are the same hands that give us our daily bread. That the person who answers our petition, forgive us our trespasses, is the same Jesus who hears our prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And he answers it. In trouble, in fear, which makes us want to forget, we want to remember this. Jesus takes care of us, body and soul, life and And life eternal, all of it belongs to him. And that's good news. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and you are listening to Cross Defense this Monday afternoon on KFUO Radio. We're going to go to the break and come back on the other side with my friend, Pastor Brian Flammy of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. who's going to bring something curious to the table, and we are going to eat it up, see what he's serving up. We're going to let him dish it out. And then we'll talk about it. If you want to join the show, have anything to comment, uh, the best way to do that is Twitter. I've got the thing open right now. It's at B. Wolfmuller at Twitter. I might even check it this week. So you can uh, write a note if you got questions. Send it up there, and we'll read it on air. Thanks. We'll go to the break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Worldwide KFUO Radio salutes our day sponsors on this Monday, July 16, 2018. Today's day sponsors are Andre and Marie Voges. Today's day sponsors have made a contribution to Worldwide KFUO Radio in honor of their wedding anniversary and in thanksgiving to God for the blessing of 52 years of marriage. Once again, we say thank you to Andre and Marie Voges of Evansville, Illinois. Today's Worldwide KFUO Day Sponsors.
0: This week on the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we'll talk about what it means to be content with the Reverend Dr. Rick Mars from Concordia Seminary, and we'll check in with the Nauman family serving as missionaries in South Asia. We'll check in on the Consortium for Classical Lutheran Education Conference, and Pastor Trevor Sutton addresses the question: Is Facebook transforming religion? The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. <laughs>
1: My name is Jim. I'm a veteran. I lost both legs in Vietnam. My victory was proving that a disability is not a
0: limitation. I'm Julius. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans.
1: Go to DAV.org life moves pretty fast.
0: One way or the other, it's pretty much guaranteed to pass you by. Missing out on a spelling bee or a softball game is bad enough, but what happens when you and your family miss out on God's Word? That's why we're here, reminding you every step of the way that the Word of God is not about what you do, but about what Jesus has done for you. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide, K-F-U-O. Welcome back to Cross Defense. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller here, Pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And your host every Monday afternoon on Cross Defense here on KFUO Radio. You can best way to get messages to me, I think, is this Twitter at that's what all the other cool radio hosts do. So we got it up and going at B Wolfmuller. Or you can tweet at Pastor Flammy, Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. What's your what's your Twitter there, Pastor Flammy? I have Twitter. <laughs> I know you do. I've seen that Twitter of yours cause trouble before. How are things, uh, by the way?
1: I don't know. I don't know what my Twitter handle is. That's how often I use it. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll look DW. it up for you. While
0: you tell me, how things. How are
1: things in New Mexico?
0: Hey, oh, and also, you, you should tell me how things were in India. You were in India uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. So give us some updates.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Edward Nauman, uh who is a missionary uh, sent to Sri Lanka in South Asia, he invited me out to help teach a class on the Christology of the Old Testament at the seminary there in Nagarkoil, India. And so that's at the very bottom southern tip of India. And the name of the seminary is Concordia Theological Seminary. And it was great. It was, I had a ton of fun. I uh, was had a lot of fun uh, uh, going through the prophecies of the Old Testament with the students there and learning about how uh, Christ, his person, and his works are clearly preached by Moses and the prophets. It was wonderful.
0: That's fantastic. I, I, by the way, I found your Twitter in the meantime, at Brian Flammy. You spelled Brian wrong, B-R-I-A-N-F-L-A-M-M-E. And your, for your profile picture, it looks like there's a 14-year-old kid dressed in in like a military gear here. That's, uh, discomfort, you know, what, what, when did we start sending 14-year-olds into Iraq, Pastor Flammy?
1: Yeah, I was like 16 in that picture, so don't go <laughs> don't, don't too hard on me there. Uh, you were going to bring
0: something curious to the, uh, to the uh, show today. What do you got?
1: Yeah, so the question is, how do we read the Bible? Uh, obviously, it might seem to you, you open up the covers, you start reading the words on the page, and that's enough. then your smart aleck friends will come up to you and say hey hey well it can't be that easy obviously because i'm a methodist and when jesus says this is my body he doesn't say that the bread is his body uh what he means is something entirely different uh why can't we get the same things out of the holy scripture why can't we get the same teaching out of the holy scripture now the roman catholics made a big deal about this during the reformation Telling the Lutherans that we read the Scripture differently than you, so you need the help of tradition to interpret the Holy Scriptures. You need an external light to show on the Scriptures in order to read it rightly. But the Lutherans maintain this, uh, uh, taking their cue from Martin Luther and how he uh, uh, talked about the Bible and the Holy Scriptures. The Lutheran says that the Lutheran said that the Scriptures are clear. That the Scriptures are clear. That. Uh, they are illumined within themselves, and they illumine everything else that we uh, read outside of the Holy Scriptures. That the light of God uh, uh, to, turn, to make our minds godly, to read the Scriptures aright, all comes from the Holy Scriptures. And uh, because of that, uh, uh, I think it would be helpful to look at what John Gerhardt has to say about uh, the interpretation of Holy Scripture, especially the necessary prerequisites before we get a godly interpretation. We're reading Holy Scripture
0: now. When you say John Gerhardt are you talking about the man that our listeners was would know as Johann Gerhardt
1: I suppose. Isn't <laughs> Johann and John the same name? Uh, 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 I just like it. I uh, Johann. it just sounds like just just
0: conjure up what comes to your mind when I say these two names, Johann Sebastian Bach or John Sebastian Bach. Which one sounds like a better musician? So. <laughs> okay so you got Johan uh, th- and this is you're gonna give us his instructions for <laughs> sorry I'm just sitting here trying to throw you off I uh, uh, you're gonna give us his instructions for the necessary prerequisites for a right reading of the scripture yes alright I'm yes, ready he
1: has kind of an, an involved argument if you'd let me uh, try to explain it sure Yeah. okay so this is what he says all-knowing is in the interaction between the thing to be known and the intellect doing the knowing. Okay? So the idea there is that in order to know a thing, your intellect has to interact with an objective thing outside of itself in the world. And through this interaction of the intellect and this objective thing in the world, then a thing can be known. Now, uh, Gerhard goes on to say that it is necessary that the intellect have the capacity to understand the thing that is objective and outside of itself, right? And so if you hold up, a, I don't know, a math problem to the intellect of a chipmunk, it wouldn't do it much good, right? It, doesn't, it lacks a certain mathematic capacity to understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. Maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. I suppose
0: it depends on the chipmunk. Yeah, I chipmunk's, chipmunk's in Colorado, but I got your point.
1: <laughs> okay, well, uh, because of that, uh, Gerhard recognizes that there's a problem. The human mind, by Scripture's own admission, is not capable of understanding the holy scriptures it's not capable of uh of understanding them so he says because the divine mysteries of the faith have been put forth in the scriptures and originated from god's immediate revelation they therefore exceed exceed the sphere so to speak of our understanding which has been wretchedly corrupted through sin and then he quotes from the holy scriptures uh first corinthians Chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not perceive the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him, and he cannot understand. And then he continues, Accordingly, the illumination of divine light is required besides the natural capacities of our understanding and our uh, original, so to speak, abilities. Otherwise, the mysteries put forth in the Scriptures will be for us a closed and sealed book.
0: Now, by the way, what are you reading from? Which Gerhard thing is this?
1: I don't know. There are a bunch of books that are published by CPH. Uh, They're in these large, maroon volumes. Is Uh, is this like On the
0: Scripture or something like that?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Now, I want to On Interpreting Sacred Scripture. On Interpreting Sacred Scripture, Commonplace 2, Section 46 and following.
0: Before we dig too far into this, I want to sit on that text a little bit, 1 Corinthians 2.14, because... Uh one of the things that I noticed is that wh- whenever you um uh nowadays whenever you get a lutheran talking about original sin their favorite text to go to is Ephesians 2 verse 1 we were dead in trespasses and sins uh and god has made us alive in Christ Jesus so that deadness and trespasses and sins indicates that the that the will of the unbeliever is dead and completely incapacitated when it comes to for example choosing christ making a decision and so forth But I think that the text that our Lutheran fathers, the Book of Concord, our Lutheran confessors, etc., that they used and loved even more than Ephesians 2 was this text that you've pointed out, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can it. They are spiritually discerned. They love that
1: text. And there's probably a good reason why. It's because we can recognize the activity of the sinful flesh in this world, right? Right. Dead things don't uh, uh, do anything, right? They just sit there and they decompose, you know? They smell bad. Uh, But, however, our flesh, though it is spiritually dead, right? St. Paul is absolutely right about that. At the same time, it is actively working against God's Word. It's actively working against the Gospel, as St. Paul says in Romans. See, now you made me turn on Twitter so I don't have my scriptures over here. There it is. Yeah, through the... (laughs) For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, right? So now we're talking about an active hostility against the word of the Lord, against God. And this verse here in 1 Corinthians talks about it. The, the issue uh, that, that Paul wants to talk about isn't deadness, right? It's the issue of blindness and walking around, stumbling around in the dark, not being able to find your way. It's a, it's a better way to talk about uh the fact that there are variant readings of the holy scriptures right but there is only one true light by which you can read them uh, uh which is going to be Gerhard's point
0: so the deadness i mean a, a person who's dead they're not doing any good works but neither are they actively committing any sins but an right. enemy of god is not only not doing good they're they're actively pursuing evil they are enemies of god rebels uh, and, so, and so forth so it's it's beyond dead we are according to our sin it's not only that we lack a capacity for good it's that we have an expanded and ever expanding capacity for evil yes that's we're not right. we're not rocks I mean we are the enemies of God who have picked up rocks to throw at them that's the that's this the difference there huh?
1: exactly and that's going to be very important when uh, uh, he goes on to describe uh, the clarity versus the obscurity of Holy Scripture, and where we are to uh, identify both the clarity and the source of the clarity and the obscurity. The okay. obscurity in human beings is what uh, uh, twists the clear words of the Holy Scripture.
0: So let's see, so let me see if I uh, if I am caught up in, on the argument, and then you can press it forward. So first, sure. Gerhard starts about how you know a thing. There has to be an inner. he has to be, the intellect has to interact with something, a thing or object outside of it. Uh, yeah. And to do that, uh, to to result in knowledge, the intellect has to has to have the capacity to comprehend or know the thing which it wants to know, and so we come to the first problem, is that the the human the natural mind is not capable of knowing the scriptures. That's the text that we've been told, and therefore right. the the this kind of minor conclusion that's coming from that, is that there must be something added. There must be something, the Lord must act in some ways to make us capable of understanding the scriptures themselves.
1: Yeah, that's right. And this is the thing. He says prayer is necessary for us to receive the divine and supernatural light of the Holy Spirit. And then he quotes from the Holy Scripture Luke chapter 11, verse 13. For the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask. Again, John chapter 1, verse 18. The Son, who is at the bosom of the Father, reveals to us the mysteries of our salvation, right? And then he quotes from uh, uh, John chapter 6, verse 44, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. Uh, and then First John chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 27, his anointing teaches you about everything. And then we all know, John chapter 16, verse 13, the Spirit uh, is the one who leads into all truth. Uh, So the full illumination, as John uh, Gerhard writes, I'm going to call him John today, uh, this full illumination of the Holy Spirit is necessary for a salutary understanding and interpretation of the Scripture as a whole and of all its parts. Uh, This is why all readers and interpreters of Holy Writ need to pray that they would receive such illumination of the divine light and that these prayers should be in earnest okay so if we don't have the capacity right we don't have the vision in order to see what's clearly on the page of the holy scripture then we pray and you'll like this Wolf wolfmuller you'll love it you pray to the holy spirit you pray to god for the divine illumination to receive spiritual eyes you like that spiritual eyes i know you i do. do it's my favorite spiritual yeah i know spiritual eyes to discern uh the spiritual things of god before we didn't have that capacity uh, we were uh, uh, we were sinners. Uh, we were flesh. Uh, our minds didn't have the capacity to receive spiritual things of God from the Scripture. But with the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we can and we do.
0: All right. Now I want to. So okay. So let me. I, there's two ways I want to go on this. Uh, so f- the first is we walked by this Luke 11 passage. Which is something that I'm curious of. So I want to stop, even though it's slightly off topic. I want to ask you about Luke 11, and then I want to I want to circle back around and and explore what what the natural man can know of the Bible so, uh, before oh, no, we get we to need the spiritual part.
1: Yeah. airmen or something like that, huh?
0: Right, right. So that's so. But but Luke 11. That's where um, Luke gives us. The Lord's Prayer, right there in Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray like John teaches his disciples to pray. So he says, when you pray, pray this. And he gives them a summary of the Lord's Prayer there, the seven petitions. And then he says, "The Holy the, God will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask of him. That's the p- promise that Gerhardt had, um, had uh, underlined there for us, which is an amazing promise. I mean, just f- for us to sit back and think about that God has promised to give the Holy Spirit to all who ask for the Holy Spirit. That's a that's that's a you know we want to we want to cash that promise. Lord, you promised to give us the Holy Spirit. Please give us the Holy Spirit. But the curious thing for me, which I want to get your thoughts on is that when you look at the seven petitions of the Lord's prayer, uh hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, uh lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil, there's not a petition that says give us the Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit petition there. So it it seems like at least at first it doesn't quite fit that Jesus says pray for these seven things my name my kingdom my will your daily bread your forgiveness and so forth and then he says and know that whenever you ask for the Holy Spirit God the Father will give them to you H- how is it that the that the Lord's prayer is a prayer for the Holy Spirit that's I think my question.
1: There's, well, well, if you were to just stop and meditate on the first three petitions, right? Uh, the holiness of God's name, that his kingdom comes, that his will is done. As Luther describes in the explanation to those uh, petitions, all of these things come to us by the Holy Spirit. In that If Christ had not sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, if, if Christ had not bound the Holy Spirit to his word and the preaching of his word, then we would not have the holiness of God's name among us. We would still be pagans. Uh, we would not be in the Holy Christian Church. We would uh, be in the kingdom of the devil. And uh, we would not uh, uh, receive the will of God, which is to be saved. All of these things come to us by the agency and the work of the Holy Spirit bound up to the Holy Scriptures. So I think, uh, uh, I don't know, I I didn't really think this was a problem before, but I suppose it is for you. I'll try to teach you. God, I don't do That's perfect, because, I mean, so Luther
0: does that. (laughs) He adds the Holy Spirit to all of those petitions when he unfolds them in the Catechism. and, And then he expands. So... Uh, uh, hallowed be thy name that God would send his Holy Spirit so that his word would be preached and we as the children of God would lead God- godly lives according to us grant us this, dear Heavenly Father so, so that God's name is his word and really I think what Gerhard then is meditating on is this spiritual understanding of the second petition hallowed be thy name or the first petition hallowed be thy name that the Lord's word would come to us his word can come to us without it being holy but his word would come to us and it would be holy to us that we would treasure it and that it would sanctify it would make us holy that the that the holiness of the Holy Spirit would be added to the word here so that we would have this great benefit from it
1: yeah no I I think you're right Uh, he knows uh, that the Father desires to give us all good things right everything that is that is good that can be given to human beings is articulated in the Lord's Prayer and, and part of that is also the Holy Scriptures, that we would receive the Holy Scriptures as a gift. I mean, I imagine that he also has in his mind, even though uh, he didn't write it down here, uh, where, where Jesus says in John's Gospel, right, uh, uh, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he knows that, uh, uh, that these spiritual words of the Holy Scripture are one of the good gifts of God. It has to come to us by the Holy Spirit. Um, so, anyways, uh, if, if you'll let me continue on with the argument, we'll, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll, well,
0: well, let's go to. We, so, we got to go to the break here in just a second, Pastor Flammy. So, in oh, fact, sure. why don't we go to that now? We'll go to the break. We'll come back on the other side. So, and we'll push a little bit further. I want to before you, before you get to, uh, Gerhard. I want to just take one more step to the side and talk about the natural and what the natural man can know, and then we'll let Gerhard oh, keep yeah, pushing yeah. us a little bit forward. So, so you're listening to Cross Defense. Uh, on KFU, I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, Pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. That's Pastor Brian Flammy on the other side of the line, Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to talk about more about Gerhard and the Holy Spirit and prayer before reading the Scriptures. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back soon.
1: This week on Issues Etc., we'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller introduce us to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll discuss monastic vows with Pastor Paul McCain of Concordia Publishing House. And we'll talk with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer about the prophets and the divine tribunal.
0: Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO.
1: A long-standing tradition here at Worldwide KFUO is to broadcast live worship services for those unable to attend worship or for those who benefit from hearing God's Word online or on KFUO. This Sunday, our 8.15 a.m. worship comes from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri, where Rev. Matthew Clark presides as senior pastor. Our 10.30 worship comes from Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fenton, Missouri, where Rev. Mark Stell presides as senior pastor. Come worship with us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. When you think of your child beginning
0: to read the Bible, what book of the Bible would you start with? Did you know Jewish
1: children begin their Bible reading with the book of Leviticus?
0: The law of Moses, including Leviticus, is deeply treasured in Judaism. Daniel Harrell avoided Leviticus his entire preaching career.
1: I was surprised to learn from a Jewish friend that Leviticus ranks among the most important books of the Old Testament. It's one of the first books observant Jewish children learn to read. It has more direct quotations from God than any other book in the Bible. You can't fully comprehend the
0: New Testament and its vocabulary, such as sacrifice, atonement, holy, unclean, without first understanding Leviticus. Love Your Neighbor as Yourself comes from Leviticus 1918. So what do you read,
1: or avoid reading, in the Bible? Engage with the
0: Bible, this book for all times. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Welcome back to Cross the Fence. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfhuler, Pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. And I've got Pastor Brian Flammey, pa- Senior Pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico, on the other side of the line. We're talking about what is it, uh, how, how is it that we can understand the Scripture, that we can know the Scriptures? If the Scriptures, as they say, are unknowable to the natural mind, how can we know them? And Pastor Flammey is bringing us great information uh, Let's call it this. He's bringing us great practical advice from John Gerhardt <laughs> on how to do that. I want to, uh, before we push on, he's, and Gerhardt basically said, look, if it takes God's work, then that means we pray. If, if God must work, then we're going to pray. But what, uh, before we push it too much further, I want to know what can the natural man know from the Bible? In other words, say I'm just a plain old unbelieving pagan. I don't believe anything. And I, yeah. and I open up the Bible, what am I going to be
1: able to know about the text? Okay, so this is what Gerhard says. Granted, there is some light left to our reason, which one can use in understanding and investigating earthly things and in the philosophical disciplines. The law of God, too, partly points out external failures, but our reason is simply blind when it comes to the divine mysteries made known in Scripture. I think it it is important that uh, Gerhard grants that reason has the capacity to understand some things concerning the law, right? Either philosophically or perhaps even in Scripture. He talks about the law of God, but when it comes to the mysteries, the divine mysteries made known in the Scriptures, I think that he is speaking about the salutary reading of Scripture unto salvation, right? The salutary reading of Scripture unto salvation. And so he continues and says this: even though they are set forth externally one still cannot grasp their salutary and complete meaning apart from the internal illumination and light of the holy spirit the distinction between the knowledge and the letter of the spirit comes from this Hmm.
0: fantastic okay so you can know if i get this right you can know something about the bible through reason uh... you can know some of the history stuff you can even be corrected and you can gain some sort of wisdom but the salvific understanding, the, the, to, to know what the Scripture chiefly wants us to know, namely, that Jesus died for our sins, that we're righteous in God's sight by, by his declaration of grace, to know that kind of stuff, you, you can't get there, uh, apart from the Holy Spirit.
1: Right. We're talking about the knowledge that is necessary for salvation, right? So sometimes we talk about, uh, uh, how, uh, how do we say this, that faith has two parts, Right. Uh knowledge and trust. Knowledge and trust. This would be the first part, the necessary knowledge, uh the the necessary teaching from the Holy Scripture so that my faith can cling to something, that it can sink its teeth into it, you know. Right. Huh. Well that's fantastic.
0: Okay, so what so so you wanna keep pushing? Does Gerhard have more to say? I mean I that's a kind of a silly question. He always wants
1: to Well, I don't know. I mean you could think of practical examples uh uh though of how this works. So you have a guy like Bart Ehrman, right? Okay. Uh, 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 t- remind Catholic. us
0: who Bart Ehrman is again? I mean, he's Bart the,
1: Ehrman is. A, yeah, he's you, a, a, a professor over at what Dallas Theological or I, I can't remember where this guy teaches. Uh, what does Wikipedia say? I have Wikipedia right here. It Has Bart Ehrman? Wow, you uh, got yes, you got American, the Twitter and Wikipedia and a Bible. Yeah, there? yeah, I have like five things open right now. You'd be impressed. I the American New Testament scholar, focusing on textual criticism of the New Testament, the historical Jesus, the development of early Christianity, he has written and edited 30 books. Uh, and let's see. Oh, here he is. And so he is the distinguished professor of religious studies at the University of Northern Carolina at Chapel Hill, or North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So that's okay. who he is, what he does. He's an unbeliever. He doesn't believe. Uh, uh, the, the, he doesn't believe what the scriptures say concerning the divinity of Jesus. Uh, he does not believe that Christ is risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father who will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Uh, many of his books are apologetic towards the atheists, right? Uh, his, uh, that, that is that they pick up his books as, uh, uh, as our, uh, full, and they look inside these books for ammunition to use against the Christians saying, hey, look, you think the scriptures say that that Jesus is the Son of God who has come to redeem the world from sin. But look at this, this great and wonderful scholar who has done an intense study of the Scriptures. He's come to opposite conclusions. And in fact, he believes that the Scriptures uh, are, are, are fabrications, you know, lies put together by men. They're fictions. Uh, so a, a guy like Bart Ehrman would dig into the New Testament. He would study it. He would understand the meanings of the words in the New Testament, Right. But because he is so blinded by a natural mind, that is a mind of flesh, a mind of sin, he does not see those things that are clearly portrayed as being for the knowledge of salvation for him. For him, it is a thing to be attacked, right? And so the, uh, the flesh is hostile against God, and so he attacks it and tries to pull apart what is clearly set on the page to make it say something else.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And he does so under the, what is this, kind of this fake guise of... I have the authority of scholarship or whatever, so it makes it appear as if there's some sort of legitimacy to the attack, uh, that a a reasonable person looking at the Scriptures would conclude that, what, they're absurd, uh, contradictory, irrational, and full of nonsense or things like this.
1: Right. So a modern person, uh, that is a a, a secular person post-Enlightenment, is to pick up any given text, right, any given... uh, artifact of human beings and subjected to a kind of objective analysis, much like you would put a toad on your dissection table in high school and cut it open with your scalpel and start removing all the stuff inside to make analysis of it. So also, uh, literary critics think we should do the same with all texts and the Scripture. But immediately, from that perspective, what have you done to the Holy Scriptures? You are approaching the Scriptures with the assumption that they are not holy that they are not spiritual, that you stand in judgment over them. Now, Gerhard is the opposite. He knows ahead of time that the scriptures are holy, not something to be subjected to objective analysis, but something that is to be read with the end result of salvation. And so he says, of course you would pray to the Holy Spirit. Of course you would pray that he would illumine you to read the scriptures aright, So you don't become like a man like Bart Ehrman who, who digs into the, the wording of the scriptures to make it say anything other than what it clearly says uh, uh, to keep people away from salvation. Rather, because you are baptized, uh, you dive into the Holy Scriptures expecting to find your Lord, your Savior.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Now I, I so let me let me to put another case in front of you on uh where with some similarities but also with some differences to say the Bart Ehrman case and that is what what would you say to the person who comes and says hey uh pastor Flamy, I I want to believe what the bible says but I just don't I don't I don't believe that these things are true I I'm not I'm not posturing myself as an enemy of them. In fact, I would, I would much prefer if I did believe them to be true, but I just, I just find that I, in fact, don't believe what they say.
1: That's it. Well, uh, there could be any number of reasons for that. I find that often when people say things like that, they, they're judging the Holy Scriptures against their own experience and against their own conclusions from that experience as to what they consider to be possible or feasible, right? Right. Uh, so that a man could walk on water, right? Experience says that when men step out onto the water, if it's not frozen, they fall through it. But the Holy Scriptures say that Jesus, right, by his divine power walked upon the water as a demonstration of his divinity. Uh, uh, A person who has been taught from infancy, right, in this modern secular world, to trust in the data of experience will of course have trouble uh, believing that it is possible that a man step onto the water and walk upon it. Right, because he always has these pre—how uh, uh, do you, uh, what do you call them? These uh, presuppositions.
0: Uh, pre- is that the word,
1: yeah. Thank you. Presuppositions in his mind. He always has these presuppositions in his mind uh, concerning uh, uh, concerning uh, uh, God's existence and involvement in the world. And to be a truly objective secular person, you have to remove those two premises: that God exists and that he is active in the world. You have to take those two premises and exclude them. Right. This is how we've been taught taught to think from infancy, and so of course a person may desire to to believe the holy scriptures, but this aspect of the flesh is still clinging to them uh, to try to that's always fight making war against uh, uh, the wisdom of Christ and the holy scripture. And uh, if that so happens, the best advice that uh, we can actually give to such a person is what to pray. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh Lord, grant me your holy spirit. To overcome the unbelief of my flesh so that I may re- receive your word as truth and be saved by it I mean that is that would be an example of a godly prayer of someone in that same kind of position
0: does that make well, I, sense yeah it reminds me I just thinking about this because that phrase spiritual eyes as as far as I know occurs once in the Bible it's in when Paul's writing uh, to the ephesians and it 's when he 's reporting in that uh, place, Ephesians chapter one or two i 'm going to find it he 's saying "This is what I pray for for you. I pray that the that the Lord would grant you his holy Spirit, so that the eyes of your heart would be opened so that you may discern what is the height and depth of the riches of the wisdom of God and the power of his inheritance, and so forth so that so that Paul himself is is Paul himself is taking Gerhard's advice. <laughs> Paul himself is rec- is recognizing that that to know these things of Christ, to know the gospel, to know the riches of the glory of God, to to know the forgiveness of sins and all of these spiritual benefits is not possible with our own capacity. We we just we don't have we, we can't get there. I I can't know how much Jesus loves me unless the Holy Spirit uh, gives me the capacity to know that. And so Paul prays not only for himself, but he also is especially praying for the churches that God would grant the Holy Spirit to the churches so that they would believe the things that Paul's writing and the the things that Paul's teaching and the things that the pastor's saying to them and the things that the prophets want them to know and so forth and so on. It's only by God's work that any of these things can be known at all.
1: Right. Right right yeah yeah no that's that's right i'm glad you were able to incorporate the heart eyes of saint paul into there that that pleases me it, uh, I'm,
0: I, I'm looking for the text right now because i know it's your favorite thing <laughs> the heart eyes
1: do you want to tell them why i have a problem with uh, uh with saint paul and the holy spirit here well probably because, because you have what, a
0: blind what? heart i can't remember exactly what your problem <laughs> is with is that what it was i, don't
1: know. <laughs> I think that my uh, i wanted to be so anti-mystical to the point of error If that makes any sense,
0: you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: that mystical language itself is offensive to me. Uh, And so what I hear about eyes of the heart, that's distinct from the eyes of eyeballs.
0: (laughs) Hello. Are you there, Pastor Flammy? I can't tell if I've lost you or if you guys have lost me. Okay, so I'm still on. So here, I found the text, and we'll try to get Pastor Flammy on. So this is uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, After I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus. So that Paul, this is what, what we're talking about here, uh, that, the, that Paul understands that to know the, the height and the depth of the love of Jesus is, is something that is only possible when the Holy Spirit gives us that gift. And so and so Paul prays that the Holy Spirit would continue to give us that gift. Now this is so great by the way it's it's just making me think of an any number of things. And that is that when we for example as Christians think of our of our family and our friends who do not know the love of Christ, who who don't believe what the Bible says about whatever sin, death, resurrection and so forth. What are we supposed to do in those circumstances? Well just what Gerhard says not only do we pray for ourselves that we would be able to understand the scriptures but like st paul we pray for those for those people around us that they would also understand the scriptures that the lord would also enlighten them so as soon as we pray hallowed be thy name that is that the lord's word would would be made known among us then we pray thy kingdom come that is that the words the lord's word would be known among our neighbors and our friends and that the the word of the lord would expand uh and be brought to to more people it's really it's really quite stunning that we, that when we know that that um that Jesus is the one who gives these gifts, not only of salvation, but also of understanding salvation. That sets us to the work to the chief work above all other works, and that's the work of prayer. Pastor Flammy, are you back on hanging around? He's bl- he's he's bailed out on us altogether. Well, that's good. So you guys can hate tweet Pastor Flammy at Brian Flammy. Uh let him know that you appreciate you appreciate uh, Pastor Gerhard being called Johan. You guys can let him know about that. And you guys can also let me know what you uh, think about this topic and this conversation. And, uh, and let us know we should talk about in future conversations here on Cross Defense. So that's at bwolfmuller at twitter.com. It's good for us to remember to wind this up and maybe put a bow on the whole thing. It's good for us to remember that our lives are in the hands of the Lord who loves us. I mean, everything comes from him. The first article of the of the creed reminds us that God has created us and created all creatures. The second article of the creed reminds us that Jesus is our Savior, who's died for us to forgive our sins, and the third article of the creed reminds us that it's the Holy Spirit who's called us, gathered us, enlightened us, given us, given us all of His gifts of sanctification to bring us through this life to the life of the world to come. Pastor Flammy, I'm putting a bow on all this stuff. You want to add? Uh, we got about thirty seconds. You want to add a final uh, parting word?
1: Yes, uh, I'm just going to say that, uh, uh, I, uh, that you should look up uh, this thing in Gerhard if you're at all interested, and also I want to, uh, want to give you an example of such a prayer from our hymnal in the TLH. Uh, blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us, in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. May God grant it. Pastor Flammy. thanks so much. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, Pastor of Hope Lutheran Church, Aurora, Colorado. That's Pastor Brian Flammy of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. And you're listening to Cross Defense, enlightening the mind, exciting the imagination, comforting the conscience, all with God's Word, which is new to us every day, which is brought to, which is given to us as a gift, even to our dead, alienated enemy minds. It's given to us as a gift by the Holy Spirit so that we are enlightened, gathered, sanctified, made fit for the vision of the face of Jesus, which God will grant to all who die in Christ. Talk to you next week.
1: Listening to Cross Defense, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call
0: Mary at 314 996 1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank
1: you for listening and supporting Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO.